Welcome to the Vineyard Church Weekly Message Podcast. We hope you will be encouraged and challenged today as you listen to a message from one of our speakers. Prepare your heart and get ready to receive a word from God today. Galatians chapter 4 is where I'm going to be. Galatians chapter 4. And because it's Father's Day, I'm going to tell uh, just a story about one of my sons. I have three boys. And when my youngest son started driving, uh, we let him drive one of uh, my old, older cars. So this was a, a few years ago, and this particular car had a CD. You remember CDs? Yeah, little silver things. If you didn't know, little silver things, you'll play, little music came out. And uh, the CD player in this car was actually in the glove box. And what that meant is uh, when I got the car probably 12 or 15 years ago, I stuck CDs in there and they never changed, (laughs) right? And so when my son a few years ago started driving the car, he started listening to the CD in the thing. It was one of my favorite CDs. You want to know what it is? Here's what, don't judge me. Harry Connick Jr., Red Light, Blue Light. Any other Harry Connick fans? Yeah, we're going to connect later. How about you? Yeah. So uh, don't judge me, but that was my favorite CD, and so my son started listening to it, and uh, we had to put that car out to pasture recently, so my, my son uh, had to get another car, and he actually came to me, and he said, Dad, did, before we got rid of the other car, did you get the, did you get the CD? I'm like, yeah, I got the CD. He's like, great, I want to put it in my car, because now he actually loves Harry Connick. And actually, this last week, he drove me to the church a couple of times last week, and we listened to it together. It was this sweet moment of, oh, I actually imparted my love of jazz to my son. How cool is that? Right? It was that sweet moment. Like, fathers, you know this, fathers play a key role in the development of our kids. Like, even in my life, okay, my love of music got passed down to my kids. I'm not perfect. When I look at my kids, I can see some other good things. Maybe I passed down, but I also see some things that weren't so great that I passed down. But the key point is, we agree, right? Fathers have a key role in our family and in our kids' development. Would you agree? Now, when we don't get this right, when we see homes that are father absent, I don't mean just physically absent, but sometimes emotionally absent, problems arise. Here's some data that would indicate how much of a problem this is. In father absent homes, there are four times greater risk of poverty, more likely to have behavior problems, Two times greater risk of infant mortality, more likely to go to prison, commit a crime, be pregnant as a teen, more likely to face abuse and neglect, drugs and alcohol, suffer obesity, or drop out of school. That's a bad list. Now, if you read those things or see those things and it makes you sad because you had to experience that, hold on because this message is going to help. But the key point is, in the middle of this, Fathers play a significant role in our lives. I want to make a spiritual shift because it's Father's Day. Would you also agree that having a right relationship with God the Father makes an impact on our lives? God the Father, you, you probably know this, but even in the New Testament about 150 times, God is referenced as a father. Uh, even when Jesus was teaching people how to pray. A bunch of people had gathered and he's teaching them many things. 
but he says this is how you should pray. And he, he says this in Matthew 6. He says this is then how you should pray. Our Father in heaven. He could have said, this is how you should pray. You should pray to my Father. But no, he includes, it's like this inclusive, as a follower of Jesus, it's our Father. We should see him as God the Father. Also in 1 John 3, Scripture says this, See what great love the Father has lavished on us, that we should be called children of God. We should have in our lives a good, right connection to God the Father. And on Father's Day, what what a better fitting day than to examine and think through what our relationship is with God the Father. It might seem so basic, but here's what, in the last two weeks, I actually had three conversations that highlighted, I believe, the desperate need to readdress this today. One of the conversations I had went something like this. I was talking to somebody, and they felt like they couldn't even approach the concept of Father God because of their own relationship with their dad, and it wasn't good, and it didn't set a foundation to where they could even, if they even started to think about God as a father, it just got all twisted, and they couldn't do it. I had two other separate conversations where I saw people's gifting like, I saw them do something, and I was like, oh, you, I was trying to call it out and be encouraging to them, and I was like, oh, you should, you should do that. Like, you should do that more often. And both people, independent of one another, said something to this effect. They said, I, I don't know if God could really use me. I, I'm just not so sure. And their view of God the Father was more of a judgmental view that they had not measured up to some measuring stick, and so they just believed, I, I can't even use the gifts that I have. So in those discussions, and there were a few others, I just think it's timely to ask ourselves this question. And the question is, how do I view my relationship with God the Father? I want us to go beyond just the typical teenage answer of, it's good. right? I I really want us to think about this. Because it has implications not just for how we view God. I'm going to argue in this message, it has implications for how we live our lives today. And I think we're living at a time that our view of God the Father can get messed up and we're missing some things. And so I want to look at the scripture in the book of Galatians. I'm going to give you a little background of where I'm going to head today. Paul, who's writing this letter, planted a church in Galatia. He, he, he came together as a group of believers. They had a right view of who God the Father was. They were following Jesus. He leaves, and he begins to hear that this church has shifted their thinking, and he's concerned. He actually starts the letter off sort of in this way. He, he says this, I'm astonished that you're so quickly deserting the one. The one is God the Father. I'm so astonished that you're so quickly deserting the one who called you to live in the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel, which is really no gospel at all. Evidently, some people are throwing you into confusion and are trying to pervert the gospel of Christ. We have a church who at one time thought, I know who Jesus is, and my relationship with God the Father is good, and something happened. 
I think those same things are happening in our lives. This letter could be written to the church in Michiana as much as it's written to the church of Galatia. And so what Paul does, he he recognizes this issue, is he summarizes something so basic that we could slip past it. But my challenge is today, let's not do that. Let's go deep in this, and let's try to figure out how to do this better. And so uh, the teaching text is a little later on, Galatians chapter 4, and Paul writes this. This is the, the fix to that wrong thinking. He says this, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those under the law so that we might receive adoption to sonship. Because you are his sons, God sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, the spirit who calls out, Abba, Father. So you're no longer a slave, but God's child, and since you are his child, God has made you also an heir. In that, there's a whole bunch that can help us, but there's two things I'm gonna point to specifically today. Before I get into those, let's pray. Will you pray with me for the message? So Father, we, there's a lot of us in the room that probably want to have a right relationship with you, and so I pray, God, that you would help us go deep this morning. Open our hearts, our eyes, our minds, our ears to what you would have for us. I pray in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. On the back of your handout, a couple fill-in-the-blanks might be helpful. Here's what I see. Paul writing the church. I see this. Our Father in heaven crafted an amazing family plan. He crafted an amazing family plan. Paul's trying to clarify to this church who's lost its moorings on who God the Father is. They're starting to drift And Paul goes back to the basics. Galatians 4, he he starts out by saying this, God sent his son, born of a woman, born of the law, to redeem those under the law. God sent his son. We, We talk a lot about Jesus here at the vineyard because Jesus is important. He came to earth, died for us, died a tragic death for our sins so we would have a right relationship with God. Jesus is amazing. But I don't want us, and Paul didn't want the church to forget that God the Father sent Jesus. It was his plan. Even John 3.16, many of you know or have heard this verse, John 3.16, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. That's a great verse, isn't it? But let's not forget the first part of that verse. For Father God so loved the world. For Father God so loved you that he sent the plan to fix the relationship. He's the one who opened the door to relationship. So if you ever in your life believe that Father God is unapproachable, go back to the first part of that verse, which is what Paul reminds us. God sent his son. He is totally approachable as a father. Not only did God send his son, but Paul reminds us this. God sent his son that we might receive adoption to sonship. Other translations, it says that uh, we might receive adoption to become children of God. Now that concept of adoption is very similar, if not identical, to Paul's time, we know this, right, what adoption means, but just to 
make sure we're working the same framework. Adoption is to formally and legally declare that someone who's not one's child is henceforth and treated and cared for as one's child. What Paul's highlighting here is an important concept that I think is easy to forget. You can write this down. As a believer, I'm fully adopted into God's family. I'm fully adopted into God's family. As a believer, if I repent from my sins, if I'm baptized and if I follow Jesus, I am fully in the family. I'm not 50% in, I'm not in one day and out the other, I am in the family. Do we get that? Let me give you an example, my own life. I, I was a teenager long ago, and uh, I was not a follower of Jesus. I was just not a Christian. And actually, I was uh, not a great teenager. I was a jerk. So I was about 17 years old, uh, got out of school, drove home, and I had work in the evening. I get home about 3.30, and the doors of my house are unlocked. Or, or they're, they're locked. Can't get in the house. I didn't have my key. My parents worked five minutes from our house. What I should have done is driven there, got the house key, and came back. But what I did instead, because I was a jerk as a teenager, is I walked to the back door of the house and I kicked it in. Not a good plan. If you're a teenager in the room, don't do that. That's dumb. So I kick in the door, go inside, drop off my books. I'm busy, so I have to get to work. And so I just take off to work. Didn't leave a note, didn't do anything. Back door's kicked in, I leave. So when my dad gets home, what do you think he thinks happened? Someone broke into the house. Guess what? No one broke into the house. That was your son. So obviously there were consequences, right? My dad wasn't very happy. But here's the difference. My dad was a good dad. He never once said, Steve, you're out of the family. Because he was a loving father, right? We, there were consequences, but never once did he say, Steve, because of that, you can no longer call yourself a Huffman. You're out. The problem was... I wasn't living a life that believed that. And what I was doing, because I was not a Christian in finding my love and affirmation from God the Father, and I didn't have a great relationship because of my issues with my dad, I went and I searched for love and affirmation and happiness from all different places. It didn't turn out well. I turned to people and places that affirmed me based on what I did. It was a performance-based affirmation. If I work harder, then people will like me more. If, if I can make a spiritual connection to that this morning, this is what happens when we don't have a right understanding of God the Father who we're supposed to receive our love and affirmation from, we will start to search for places in our lives that will give us affirmation based on our performance and we will end up becoming slaves to those things instead of connecting to God. It's what the church in Galatia did that Paul was warning them about. They knew who Father God was at one point, but now they started to turn to people who said, you know what, if you want to do this, then you have to do this whole laundry list of things. And then it was all performed. And so Paul writes them, and he says this later in his letter. He says, formerly, when you did not know God, you were slaves to those who were 
by nature, not God's. Pause for a second. What he's saying is before you were Christians, you were slaves to the world. You sought your love and affirmation from worldly things, from people, from systems, and it didn't work. You were slaves to those things. But Paul says, how's that you're turning back to those weak and miserable forces? Do you wish to be enslaved by them all over again? He goes on, he says, you are observing special days and months, seasons and years. He says this, I fear for you that somehow I've wasted my effort on you. They have completely turned from who Father God was and now they're again seeking affirmation and love and approval from the world. You, you can write this in, it's I think a summary of what Paul was trying to say. I become a slave to what I seek affirmation from. There might be a few of you in here, when you write that down, you might need to circle that. Right? right? If, I think it happens more often than we realize. It actually happened to me this week in this message. This week I, I was working on this message. It was Tuesday and Wednesday, Wednesday in particular. I put a lot of pressure on myself for this message because I wanted affirmation. I wanted, because it's a holiday, right? I, I wanted the message to be good. I, I had in mind that maybe there were going to be people who came in who hadn't come to church before, but it's Father's Day. It's a special holiday. And, and our lead pastor passed off the message to me, and so I didn't want to let him down. And I began to build up this pressure, and I was just grinding on this message on Wednesday, and it was t- I literally felt like a slave to this message. On Thursday, I woke up, and I prayed. I threw about 30% of the message away, and I got back into a right understanding who God the Father was, and I, I re-realized that even if this message, even if you guys think this message is terrible, guess what? I don't care. I'm in right relationship with God the Father. He looks down at me, and he is pleased, and his love is not based on my performance. It's so easy to fall into the performance-based love trap. And, and Paul is writing to the church and saying, don't do that. He, he says this, Paul shares in his letter, so you're no longer a slave but God's child. You're God's child. Paul, Paul continues to, to sort of put language on this. He says, God sent the spirit of, the, spirit of his son into our hearts, the spirit who cries out, Abba, Father. When we're a follower of Jesus and we have the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit in us is inside of us. It's designed at our times of need that we should be crying out, Abba, Father. It's a term in Jewish culture. It means two things. Both of them indicate that it's this closeness, like really close relationship with a father. If you're a young Jewish child, it means daddy. That's what you would call your daddy, Abba Father, is is this daddy concept. That's how we're supposed to view God. If you're an older Jewish child, you actually call yourself Abba Father, but it sort of shifts in meaning to dearest. It's like this deep connection that we're supposed to have with God the Father. So in our desperate times of need, we cry to him. So you can fill this in. At times of need, my best response is Abba Father. 
If we do not get this right, we will, at times of need, search for affirmation, love, approval, to other systems and structures and people and groups, and we will end up celebrating things that are ridiculous when we should be celebrating that God the Father looks down at us and he loves us. Our Father in heaven crafted an amazing family plan, better than we could ever imagine. Here's the other thing in the text that I see Paul writing the church. You can write this down. Our Father in heaven provides an unmatched inheritance. In verse 7, Paul uh, writes this. He says, so since you're his child, if, if we can get this concept that we are children of God, God is a good father, Paul says God has made you also an heir. Now some of you might know what an heir is, but here's a, a working definition. An heir is one who receives something as a possession, a beneficiary. If, if we go back to even the definition of what adoption was that I used earlier, the extended definition, so right, a formally a formally and legally declare that someone who's not your child is, but it ends with this, includes complete rights of inheritance. When you're adopted into the family of God, you have complete rights of inheritance from God. Inheritance. Most of us get this concept of what it means to inherit something. My dad, he passed away a few years ago. Uh, I inherited his car. It was super kind of him. Uh, you, you may have, don't we have some nice cars out here this morning? You may have passed the car that my dad gave me. Do you want to see it? Okay, so it's not one of the fancy cars, but it's a nice car. It's a Hyundai Sonata, right? It's super kind of my dad uh, to pass that along to me, but can I just say that the things that we inherit from God the Father are so much better than a Hyundai Sonata. First Peter 1.4, if we look in scripture what it means to inherit things from God, it's described this way, in his great mercy, God has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, and into an inheritance that can never, look at this, it never perishes, spoils, or fades. So death doesn't touch it. The problems of the world don't touch it. It's not impacted by time. That is way better than anything that we can inherit on earth. In scripture, James chapter 2 actually describes what we inherit. It says, listen, my dear brothers and sisters, has not God chosen those who are poor in the eyes of the world to be rich in faith and to inherit the kingdom he promised those who love him? What's our inheritance? We inherit the kingdom. Everybody say kingdom. We inherit the kingdom. The kingdom is way more than just I get to, if I'm a follower of Jesus, spend eternity in heaven. The kingdom is so much more than that. Let me give you an example. So it's an earthly example, but I think it makes the point. Uh, just recently, these two people, maybe you know them, got, uh, is it the word coronated? 
Is that the right word? Coronated. So on the left is King Charles, and on the right is Queen, what's her name? Camilla, right? They, they just became king and queen. They, they became fully, uh, uh, they were heirs to the throne, and they finally became like, they own the kingdom. How old was Charles when he became king? Whoa, you guys knew that. 74. 74 years old. He was heir to the, king, uh, to, the, to the kingdom. And finally at 74, because Queen Elizabeth lived until she was 96, finally at 74 he became fully king, full inheritance. But think of, do you, do you think this first 73 years of life were different than ours? Yes. They were. If you didn't know, King Charles's life, before he was king, he was heir to the throne. His life was different every single day because he was heir to the throne. Our lives as heirs to the kingdom of God because we have access to the kingdom now, not fully but partially. Our lives should be different every single day because we're a child of God. He's our father. We're an heir to the throne and we're inheriting the kingdom of God in the future and now. So here's the question, and you can write this down. Am I living as an heir to God's kingdom today? Do we believe that? Are we living in that way? Let me give you some examples that would help us live in that way. Here's what it would mean to have a right relationship with God the Father and live in such a way that we're heirs of God's kingdom. We would believe that God the Father is approachable, that his love for us is not based on performance. He's not far off. He's not distant. He's not like your father on earth. He's way better than that. He cares for you and he sees you. He's approachable. It means finding my love and affirmation from him, not from the world. It means asking God the Father to intervene into my situations because he so loves me that he's willing to help me in the life that I have today. Like literally today. He's willing to intervene. Matthew 7 says it this way. If you, though you're evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? God is so approachable, and we are heirs to his kingdom that he's willing to come down and help us in our solutions today. So our view and relationship with God the Father has significant, it should, it should change the way we live It has influence on us today, how we live our lives now and in the future. So as we celebrate Father's Day, what better day than to evaluate our relationship with God the Father? If we do not get this right, we will fall into slavery, into performance-based love and affirmation that we will become permanent slaves to. It's a terrible life to live. There's such a better life to live by looking at God as a good father because he crafted an amazing family plan and provides an unmatched inheritance. Why don't you stand? We're going to move into a time of prayer. Thanks for listening to the Vineyard Church weekly message podcast. We pray you were impacted by this message. God bless and see you next time.